10 says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. Oh, Lord, for the gift of Jesus, sometimes we know all too well our faults. And we know that our faults separate us from you and we're tired and we want to know and be assured that we belong to you and that you don't see us according to our faults. And we rejoice that it is through this Jesus that we know and have assurance that you see us according to his merit. And I pray now as we consider not only our union with Christ by faith in him, Help us now to put feet to this faith and life with you. Help us to reorder things. Help us to know that hope is not a strategy, that we have to do some things in order to incorporate more of your rest into our lives. Help us to do that now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's impossible not to rest. You know, try as we may. You know, some of the things that I've said over the last couple of days, I even said back to you guys that, you know, you would look at me and say, that's impossible. I can't possibly do what you're suggesting. And what I'm going to suggest to you today is going to feel just as impossible. But it's impossible not to rest. I mean, at some point we just give out or give up, right? If, if you know, my... Uh, my father-in-law can survive on four and a half hours of sleep a night. He has like a sleep condition. But we can't do that. You know, uh, there are other like superhuman type of people who, who can get by on such little amounts of sleep somehow. But most of us can't, not for any length of time, period of time. At some point, our bodies just give up. I feel like sickness is even God's grace to us, right? Because it stops us in our tracks. You know, when you're sick, you just, you, you're not your normal self. You can't do the things you usually have. You have, you have to sleep, right? You, your, your body forces you to. I don't like being sick. I hate it. But however, I do feel like it is a grace from God. Now, we need rest. We want rest. It feels impossible. You know, sickness doesn't have to be our only outlet. I'll just go until I get sick. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I want to suggest to you guys is that we live according to the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting what? A different result, right? And we do that with our work and our rest. We say, I want more rest. I want more rest. And we just keep going back to the thing we just kept doing. And we don't change anything. And so I should say it like this. In order to rest, you have to work. Now that sounds contrary and paradoxical and backwards and whatnot. But if you truly do want more rest in your life, if you want breaks, if, if you want more of a balance, you have to do the work of entering into rest. Like I said last night, hope is not a strategy. You have to make lists and, and keep a calendar and... and um, you know, you, you have to like keep track of your time and, and where's my time going so that you can see what are the things that I need. Like you have to give it some thought. And, and I'm just suggesting, you know, even if you were to take one day a week and, and to take 20 or 30 minutes and say, okay, where has my time gone? Much less a, a daily account of your time. You know, we have to work at these things. What I suggest to you today, though, is that you work at it according to a certain grid. 
And it's a grid that's laid out for us all the way back at creation. God says that we should rest, and he says that we should rest because he himself is one who rested from his work. And it's all the way back. We read it the other night in the book of Genesis. From chapter 1, verse 31, through chapter 2, verse 3, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, that's part of the story of creation. And we're going to look at a couple of other passages in in the Old Testament leading into the New. Because what I want you to see is that's not just a part of the story of creation. It's a pattern that God intends us to live our lives by. You see, Christianity as a system of belief speaks to absolutely every aspect of our lives in a more fulfilling and satisfying way than any other system of belief. Now that's another conversation, but that's my suggestion to you. So that if you're here this weekend and, and you're, you're in that category that I described last night as either you're, you're not a Christian, but you're kind of drawn to this RUF thing and, and the things they talk about with spiritual things. Or, or if you're somewhere in between, I'm not a Christian, but I think I'm on my way. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm making sense of these things. I want you to understand that belief and faith in Christ is what unites us to the God that we were estranged from. But being reconciled to that God means that we then walk with him. And we live according to his ways. And his ways laid out here for us that we should live with our our, our week patterned after the way that God himself worked and rested is the best way to flourish in your life. Now, for some of you, what I'm going to tell you now is going to sort of blow your mind. like that, And you're going to think, that's impossible, but it's not. I'm going to do my best to give you some concrete examples and ways that you can start to appropriate this grid for your life. Okay? Many years ago, one of my absolute favorite TV commercials of all time was put out by, I think it's like the, the American or the United States cotton industry. And it's the whole deal where like the commercial comes on and, and there's no words. There's just people shown dancing in slow motion everywhere from in their homes to their office buildings. And it just draws you in because the music's fantastic and these people have got the moves, you know, moves that you just wish you had. And by the end of the commercial, all it says, it has a little picture of like their logo, cotton. And underneath that it says, the fabric of your life. Now, what I want to suggest to you is that God's pattern that he laid out for his people here at creation of his working six days and on the seventh day resting, he he fully intended to be like cotton. Not just for the Israelites in the Old Testament, but for any of his people that that would be drawn to him, that would be united to him, that would follow him, that would walk with him. His intention is that his way of living would become like cotton, that it would be woven into the fabric of your life. And it's evidenced if you just keep reading through the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 20, in the part that we know as the Ten Commandments... The fourth commandment is the commandment of the Sabbath day, what we know as a Sunday for us. This is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. Basically, you and your household, all of you, no one should do any work on the seventh day. Why? Not just arbitrarily, don't do any work. No, because it's rooted in creation. Chapter 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The word holy means set apart, different from, special. Most of us don't have that view of Sunday. It's special in the sense that maybe we go to church and, 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 and worship the Lord there. But the rest of the day may not, just may not be as special to most of us because we didn't grow up like that. You know, Sunday was largely our catch-up day. Or it's the day that we finish all of our homework and then we enter into Monday already tired and behind. Right? Stay with me. I'm going to come back to that thought in just a moment. Further woven into the fabric of their lives, not just as a command that they should observe this day and make it holy and special and set apart, because that's what God did at creation. There's ways in which this Sabbath living plays out in the life of God's people. The Sabbath year, as it's called. The people of God then were an agricultural people, and God told them... Then in essence, over the course of six years, you should plant your crops and harvest them and whatnot. But in the seventh year, he says, should be a Sabbath for the land. You should do no work to the land. And basically, God is inviting his people to trust him for their life's sustenance. You know, they didn't just like jump into the latest, you know, gardening craze that sort of is sweeping our nation right now, right? People planting little box gardens on their, you know, in their backyards or on their back patios or whatever. Like, this was survival for them, right? But God told them the Sabbath year is to be a reflection of how uh, I care for you, of how I want you to rest, and how I want you to trust me because I am the God who loves you, who has redeemed you, who has brought you to myself And I'm going to take care of you. And this is what it says in Leviticus chapter 25. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather your crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you. So y'all, what I'm saying is you should work six days. And look forward to Sunday as a day of rest. I'm going to qualify that in a moment. 
Because we feel like rest is impossible. We, we feel like we have to keep working. If I'm not working, I'm not being productive. If I'm not being productive, I'm not keeping up. And if I'm not keep, keeping up, and we just keep going down that line, and we can make ourselves crazy, and we can talk ourselves into things like, I'm not going to get a job if I don't do this, or if I don't keep up, I'm not going to belong. And if I don't, and we can drive ourselves nuts. And in the midst of the craziness, God is yelling, trust me. You can trust me. If you live according to my ways. But it's so hard. Because the future it feels is uncertain. But God says test me in this and see if you can't trust me. Now, Jesus also said that we should rest. He was big on rest. Right? Jesus loved to throw parties. But he also told his disciples on a number of occasions... That they should themselves get away for a little rest in the midst of their own work. Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Come away with me by yourselves so that you can get some rest. That's in Mark chapter 6. And this is the result of a very heavy time in their lives. You know, there are all kinds of people gathering around them, pressing in, wanting their time, wanting to be with them. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and 31, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me, by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Again, Jesus beckoning us. You who are heavy laden, you who are, are wearied and burdened, come to me and find rest for your souls. Now, in terms of this Sabbath day, this is going to matter in terms of how we appropriate it into our lives. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus said this, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, his full intention was that the Sabbath day, Sunday, would be a gift to you. That it would be a, a, a day that you can look forward to that, that's not fulfilled with any sort of like, you know, preconceived list of things you have to do to rest. It is a gift sort of to do as you please to incorporate more rest into your lives. The only thing that's prescribed on Sunday would be, you know, resting by worship with God's people. And the whole rest of the day you have to yourself to be refreshed, to be replenished. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 Verses 9 and 10, what I want you to see, I I hope, is this whole idea that, that at creation, when God made everything and rested, as much as we enter into what's known as God's rest for his people, on the one hand you can say God's rest is a rest for our sin laden hearts, that we have a, a rest from God in the person of Jesus. Because of our justification, because of our salvation, we enter into his rest. We do that on Sundays in the pattern God has given us. We enter into his rest every day. We, we, we give ourselves to his word. We remind ourselves of the gospel every day. But we especially enter into God's rest on Sunday. God's intention is that Sunday, the Sabbath day, would be like a picture of heaven. Where there's going to be no more sin, no more crying or shame, no more pain to be felt. Everything is going to be made new and renewed according to the way that God intended when he first made the world before sin ever came and ruined it. 
So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, that talks about this Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God, is basically saying the way that you go about your week and you're working and you're resting on this one day, that's how you will begin to realize heaven more and more in your lives. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. I read it earlier. Here it is again. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest, that is his salvation, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. That whole just as God did from his is a hearkening back to creation. Remember how God made the world? He worked six days and he rested on the seventh. As you enter into his rest, you're doing the same thing. And this Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God, that Sabbath rest that remains is heaven. And inasmuch as we work on six days and rest on that one day, on this special day, the holy day, the Sunday, the Sabbath day, whatever you want to call it, we are appropriating heaven then into our own lives. Think about it like this. I have an old friend who when his daughters were really young, on Sunday morning for breakfast, they could eat whatever they wanted. It wasn't like, you know, raisin bran and eggs and toast or whatever. They could have whatever. So if the girls wanted ice cream, they got ice cream. If they wanted a cookie and a banana, they got a cookie and a banana. What their parents were trying to do was to help their daughters to see that Sunday is a special day and it is a reflection of what heaven is going to be like. And God says that we should appropriate it as such in our own lives. Now, if you want to have ice cream for breakfast, you go. You know, you do you, right? If you want to have cookies and bananas, I mean, if if you want, whatever you want, you know, because Sunday is a special day. It's a holy day. It's a day that's set apart, intentionally so. And you can trust God with it. That you can set your work aside. Remember, our rest is a ceasing. It's a coming away from, stepping aside from the work that that often plagues us. Now, perhaps some qualifications are in order, though. Because you can hear me talking and you can say, who actually does that? Who, Who actually works six days? Haven't you heard of football? In the fall, Ross, you know, haven't you heard of, you know, fun outings with friends and so on and so forth? Well, a couple of different ways you think you can think about this. Um, I've heard some people say um, on one way, and this is really up to you, you know, um, this is not like thus saith the Lord, much less thus saith Ross. But I've heard some people say that the Sabbath can begin on sundown Saturday evening and can go until sundown on Sunday evening such that people begin their rest on Saturday evening, enjoying time with friends or family or even preparing their hearts and minds for worship the next morning. Then they rest the whole day on Sunday, and then Sunday evening when sundown comes, their Sabbath is over, and they do a little bit of work to prepare for that Monday. My only contention to you would be that if you choose that route upon Sunday evening, uh, you know, that you not plan to stay up until midnight, you know, but, but rather that you've done enough work on Friday and Saturday such that when Sunday comes, it's just a review. 
You know, you're not doing the bulk of your studying, the, the bulk of your work on Sunday night, but not rather just an hour and a half maybe of a review before Monday comes. Because you see, this is the pattern that most of us live by. It's the pattern that I was certainly raised with. And surely this is not unfamiliar to you. My, my week, growing up my whole life, Monday through Thursday was work. Go to school, so on and so forth. Thursday night, you begin to get a taste of the weekend, right? And then Friday is like almost the weekend, so it's like the weekend. And when Friday begins is when playtime starts. And you play on Friday and you play on Saturday and you don't do any of the stuff you know you usually probably should be doing. And then Sunday you get up and you go to church. At least that's the way it was in my house. Um, I didn't always want to go, but my family just went. That's what we did. So I had to go to church. And then Sunday afternoon became time to work because of all the stuff I hadn't gotten done. And what that does, some of you are very familiar because that's how you live now. Um, and, and like I said, Christianity as a system of, of, of belief gives you this grid that the world doesn't give you. The world gives you like the fly by the seat of your pants kind of grid or the, you know, just do what everybody else is doing sort of grid. And it's driving us all crazy and we don't have any rest in our lives. What I'm suggesting to you is if we look at the way we've been raised or the way that we live now, there's a better way to live. There just is. And so what I mean by working on six days, y'all, I just mean, like, it's baby steps, right? Because this is a big shift in your life for somebody to say, hey, I want you to work six days and only rest on one. Because some of you think that's crazy, right? But it's not. It's actually your path to sanity. What I am saying, though, is that maybe you just incorporate another hour or two hours on Friday to study. Right? And on Saturday, incorporate maybe an hour or two hours of study on your Saturday so that when you're done, you can trust God that you've put your hand to the plow, you've worked hard, so that when Sunday comes, you can enjoy it all the more. And you'll actually look forward to it, probably. I've done my work. I've studied. Yeah, I might need to review a little Sunday night. Or, who knows, since you're going to be getting so much rest, you could wake up Monday morning. Before that 8 o'clock class or before that 11 o'clock class, and you could study a little bit on Monday morning. And having had all that rest on Sunday, you'll be refreshed and ready to go. Doesn't it sound great? Now, like I said, you should probably find a friend, um, you know, someone to kind of walk with you, uh, someone to talk with. Hey, did you try it? How did your week go? You know, my fear is that many of you aren't going to do that, though. My fear is that many of you are going to walk this road alone and you're going to try once and then you're going to give up because that's what we do as human beings, right? And you're going to think back to my voice or your campus minister's voice in the future and you're going to say, I tried that. It didn't work (laughs) because you tried once, right? You're going to fall off the wagon. It's not going to go perfectly. But y'all, the Christian life is all about just trying again. The God of all grace meets us in our missteps. He meets us in our shortcomings. He meets us when things don't go the way we want. And he picks us up and he sets us on our feet. And like a good father, he takes us by the hand and he says, let's try this again. That is the God who has saved us and that is the God who walks with us. So it may not go perfectly and it may sound crazy, but I'm telling you, telling you, With some small life choices and some small tweaks, you can be on the path to more rest. 
Not a worldly type of rest, but rest that God gives. A lasting, deep within you, heart foundation level rest. Because it is a rest that grows out of your relationship with Him that He purchased for you through the person of His Son. So inasmuch as you enter into your rest with Jesus and you order your days and your week according to the way God has said you should rest, y'all, you can trust him for it and you will have more rest. Now listen, that's not to say that we don't have certain weeks where things are just heavier. You've got four tests, two papers, you work 20 hours that week, right? There are occasions where you're just going to have to do some stuff on Sunday. But that should be the exception and not the rule. Okay? The rule is I'm going to try to do a little bit more on Friday, a little bit more on Saturday so that Sunday I can rest. And on Sunday, you know, and throughout the week, you incorporate different types of rest as well. Get together with friends, go through the Frisbee, whatever. But on Sunday, you should be looking ahead. How am I going to rest I've always wanted to go on that hike. I've always wanted to read that book. I'm going to sit in my hammock. I'm going to, you know, watch that show. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to, what are you going to do? I mean, you have so much to look forward to, right? Now, segue to the book table. One highlight, a little book called Keeping the Sabbath Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y by Marva Don. Marva gets a little groovy in places here in this book, so you have to take it with a grain of salt, but for the most part, this book is gold. Uh, And it fits um, uh, my little theory about books. The worse the cover of the book, the better the content. (laughs) Right? It's not the best. However... Good old Marva. You should probably just read it because her name's Marva. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to pray and we're going to be done. Um, she talks about rest throughout this whole book and different ways we can rest. It's, it's, it's altogether lovely. And even reading it, even a chapter, you know, would take you maybe 20 minutes. And you would start to shift how you think about how your work and your rest on Sunday and Sunday looking like heaven and things like that. She tells a story about a wagon train going from St. Louis to Oregon from back in the day when people were settling um, the world back in that time. And she says this, The story is told of a wagon train on its way from St. Louis to Oregon. Now, just consider this story time, okay? Because there's like three paragraphs here. You've been warned. Um, Its members were devout Christians, so the whole group observed the habit of stopping for the Sabbath day, Sunday. Winter was approaching quickly, however, and some among the group began to panic and fear that they wouldn't reach their destination before the heavy snows. Consequently, several members proposed to the rest of the group that they should quit their practice of stopping for the Sabbath and continue driving onward seven days a week. This proposal triggered a lot of contention in the community, so finally it was suggested that the wagon train should split into two groups those who wanted to observe the Sabbath, and those who preferred to travel on that day. The proposal was accepted, and both groups set out and traveled together until the next Sabbath day, when one group continued and the other remained at rest. Guess which group got to Oregon first? You're right. The ones who kept the Sabbath reached their destination first. Both the people and the horses were so rested by their Sabbath observance that they could travel much more vigorously and effectively the other six days of the week. God honors those who honor his commands. 
Sometimes we read things in the scriptures and we think of them as suggestions. God's command to look upon the Sabbath as a different day, as a special day, as a holy day, as a day of rest, y'all, it's just not a suggestion. And it's hard sometimes, you know, appropriating God's commands into our lives. But they're for our good. They're for our flourishing. And some of you entered this weekend and you are in great need of rest and of flourishing. And so when we say God commands us, he he does so gently and, and in a very winsome way as he woos you to himself saying, come and enter my rest. My prayer is that we will do it. And I say we, because I ain't got this together either. I'm learning alongside of you. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing another song. We're going to, I was going to say call it a day, but it's not going to be a day because we're going to have lunch together and all of that. Let's pray, guys. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the gift of rest and uh, for the gift of your ways and even your commands that that call us to follow you according to a a path that's not familiar to us but that's altogether good for us. Lord, convince us in our hearts. Lord, we are a people that, that need convincing that this can work. So I pray even today that, God, you might help us just identify even one way, just one way that we could reorder our days so that we can enter into your rest. And we thank you for Jesus, who is our rest. And we pray this in his name. Amen.